Season 2, Episode 4 of the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast, sponsored by Mugshots Grill and Bar, Katie Cake and Company located on West Canal Street in Picayune, Advantage Insurance Company, Bank Plus, and CC Firearms Training. On this episode, we will sit down and talk with Hattiesburg High head football coach Tony Vance. We will also have a roundtable discussion about local sports action and also preview the LSU-Auburn game with Brody Miller of NOLA.com. We have Coach Tony Vance from the Hattiesburg High Tigers joining us, the defending 5A South State champs and off to a 4-0 record so far. And Coach, we certainly appreciate you taking time for the podcast. Hey, guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. Coach, let's talk about it. Let's jump right into that 4-0 uh, record. How, do, how have y'all been able to get off to such a, a great start, a, a quality schedule? Y'all have played four really tough clubs so far uh, and just coming off a huge 51-19 win over Oak Grove. But quality football, y'all have played through four games, Coach. Well, I think it starts with, you know, our players without a doubt. You know, we got really good football players and uh, – I tell people all the time, you know, the better players I have, the better coach I am. And, uh, you know, I think most coaches are big that they're done with you and yourself. But uh, we've got really good players, man, and uh, we're fortunate to have a group that listens to the things we're asking to do to give ourselves a chance to be successful. And uh, and they've done that through the first four games. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in playing tough schedule and good quality opponents, and uh, I think that's how you get better, you know, uh, so some coaches, you know, see it a little bit different, but I, I think if you're going to have opportunities to reach the, uh, and achieve the ultimate prize, you've got to play good people. Coach, we're based out of Pearl River County is where the podcast is anchored out of, so we keep a close eye on what Hattiesburg does. Not only a tough schedule, but you like playing your neighbors up that way a good bit too early in the year, huh? No doubt. You know, a big part of high school athletics is uh, being able to you know, uh, generate revenue at your gate. And uh, that's how most high school programs survive is the revenue you generate, you know, at your gate. So uh, it's important to us to play people that going to bring good crowds and uh, a lot of fans so we can generate some revenue. And uh, we try to return the favor when we go to their place. I think we've been able to do that last couple of years. Coach, some guys that can sell some tickets and put some bottoms in the seats, your backfield. Speak to what – Drexel Allen and then your signal caller, Connor, have given you in that program? Well, you know, I start, it starts with our quarterback, you know, and uh, Jared and Snoop, we call him Snoop, that's his nickname, but, you know, he's a leader. He's a leader and, uh, you know, uh, probably the hardest working kid I've ever coached. You know, he just, uh, in 21 years, I don't know if I've had a kid work as hard as he does uh, to try and perfect his craft, so. It's no accident that he has success he has on the football field. And uh, he'll be successful in life just because of his work ethic, you know. But uh, he gives us a chance each and every night. You know, he takes the field just because of his leadership, his work ethic, and, uh, you know, not to mention he's a pretty good football player too. So, uh, but, you know, it starts with him. And uh, he's been wonderful young man to coach. And, uh, you know, uh, we certainly pride him and lean on him to, you know, get us going offensive, uh, you know, stretching out and, Know, and I've said this time and time again, probably one of the most underrated football players in the state of Mississippi. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of our in-state schools are, are missing out on a really good football player. I do. But, uh, you know, he recently committed to Florida Atlantic University, and uh, we're excited for Drexler. Uh, he's just a terrific kid, man, tremendous football player. And uh, 
he gets everything out of his body. I can promise you that, man. He he, he gets all of, you know, that five nine and a half, five ten frame, one seventy five, and he gets every bit of it. Yeah, I thought about Allen uh, some Saturday when I was piled in the end zone of the Rock watching uh, Southern Miss. It kind of – I had just read earlier in the day where he had committed and then go to uh, the USM game and, and watch them struggle to run the football. He came across my mind a couple times there Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, he's got it. He's going to have some success running football next level, no doubt about that. Just has tremendous footwork and uh, great vision. Those are things you just can't coach. Once again, we're talking to head coach Tony Vance uh, from the Hattiesburg Tigers on this Bank Plus coaches interview. And and coach, you talked about you talked about Allen having the success, and and you mentioned his size and stature. Just looking at his numbers from this past week against a a big Sitze Oak Grove team, uh, fifteen carries, one hundred and forty nine yards, and four touchdowns, and that. That right there, that one line should say it all about that young man. No doubt. You know, I think that anybody watch him play, uh, you know, I think that when you turn the film on or you come watch him play, you're going to get your money's worth. You know, and like I said, he's as tough as they come, man. And, uh, you know, doesn't mind sacrificing his body for the team. And, you know, terrific blocker. Uh, catch the ball, spring way out the backfield also. But, you know, the thing that I think that separates him from a lot of guys is his vision and his footwork, man. And, uh, like I say, he's not the fastest guy, but uh, he's hard to tell. Coach, you look at it. You've been at this a long time, building a program at Charleston, a 3A program uh, that you had great success with, state championship uh, program that you built there before coming over to Hattiesburg. I say all that to say to play the type of football y'all are, uh, winning a South State championship at the 5A level last year, starting the way you are this year. The defense, uh, talk about what that defense has been able to accomplish over the last year and a half for y'all. I just think we've gotten better each and every game. You know, uh, uh, our defensive coordinator, you know, he was young. Uh, uh, he was only the coordinator when I hired him three years ago. And, uh, you know, but he had all the attributes and traits that it took be a great defense coordinator, and I knew he would be. And it starts with him. That's Coach Gandy. Uh, he does a terrific job, man. He's got some guys on the side of the ball that do a great job, you know. And uh, we got good players on the side of football. We do. So, uh, but those guys, they buy into what he what he's selling, and uh, they do it the way he wants it done. And uh, you know, because of it, man, we started to see our defense really step up and uh, you know get some stops when we had to have some stops against a really good. Pretty good opponents, man, and some really good offensive minds and offensive teams. And, uh, you know, so we're excited about our defense. And, uh, you know, we're young at the linebacker position. I say young. We don't have a senior. we got sophomores and juniors playing in those positions. And, uh, and I told, you know, you know, the good thing about it is all of them back for at least one or two more years. And uh, they're going to get better, you know. Um, <laughs> our defensive front kind of a, you know, strong unit of our defense, I think. And, uh, you know, guys are just, that's tough to deal with, man. Uh, we got some size up there, some guys that can really play and get out the pass rusher, and uh, pretty dog going to start against the run, too. So, you know, when they're playing the way they're supposed to play up front, man, it makes it a lot easier on our linebacker. Yeah, with the way that y'all have held down the likes of Petal, Laurel, and uh, Oak Grove, the, the, the type of performances that y'all have put on against some of these Pine Belt opponents have certainly – 
been impressive. Coach, when we look back to last year, you win a South State championship, and then you see West Point in that title game. What does your team learn from seeing an opponent like West Point and making that journey all the way uh, to the top but not finishing the deal? And with your returning players and even you as a, a coach and a staff, what does, that, what does that teach a program or a club? Yeah, I think you just got to finish. You know, uh, you, can't, you can't wait until state championship game and try to have a bad night. You know, it just didn't work that way. You know, you can't get that far into the season and that far deep into the playoffs and, and not play with them. You know, I think uh, that's the biggest thing, you know. And I think if you go back and watch that state championship game, you know, and starting to hand off the West Point, they had a terrific football team last year. But uh, we did a lot of things to help them and not help ourselves. And, uh, you know, I think just learning that, that, you know, we got to execute at a high level uh, all the time, but especially in that game. You know, you can't turn the ball over, and uh, you can't do things to help the other team. you got to help yourself to make your chance. I think our kids have learned from that. You know, I think they understand now the level of play it takes and uh, the level of execution it takes and, you know, the effort that it's going to take uh, to win a game like that. And I think that's really helped us going into this year against Taylor and Law and Baltimore and Oak Grove in these first four games. I think our kids have matured and they understand the level of effort it takes, the level of execution it takes, and uh, the level of energy it takes. And uh, those things are important. And, uh, you know, you got to be able to do that at a high level. If you want to win a big football game. We're talking with head coach Tony Vance from the Hattiesburg Tigers. And, Coach Vance, when you look back when you took the job there at Hattiesburg as you're in your sixth season now, you look back to your first year, an 0-4 start. What <laughs> what were going through your mind at that time after you had left such a successful 3A program? I'll tell you what, man. I smile about it now and I laugh. It wouldn't be funny to me at the time, though. Uh, you know, I got my left Charleston, man. We won a state championship and just played for another one and uh had an overall record of sixty and ten, man. And, you know, just hadn't experienced much losing and like I said, we start over and four and I'm sitting there scratching my head and uh, you know, we not have a lot of fun and uh you know, I'm sitting there and, you know, man, I left a pretty good program to come here and uh <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh, you know, the whole time though, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I, I really felt like, and people always ask me, you know, why did you leave Charleston and come to Hattiesburg, you know, a place where you had so much success and, you know, it was almost guaranteed to be successful there as long as you stayed. And, uh, of course, Charleston went on to play three state championships since I've been gone. So, uh, you know, so, you know, it wasn't just so fans, but uh, they got really, really good football players at Charleston. And uh, football is important in that city and that community. So, and that's a big difference. But, uh, you know, to get here and, uh, you know, start holding for certainly was what I thought. I was signing up for, but I looked back then, man, and uh, and I was the fourth head coach in four years. So I knew I had my work cut out for me, and uh, you know, to say that, you know, I didn't get a little discouraged would be being untruthful. You know, I did get a little discouraged, you know, starting off four and four. But I was fortunate to have Dr. Giant Thorpe as the athletic director and former football coach, man. But you know, we were doing things the right way, and he knew that, and I knew that, and uh, we just knew it was a matter of time. And I just, you know was hoping that, you know, they give me time to build a program. But that's what I told them. I, mean, I, I was interested in building a program. I have a winning football team. And I just really feel like you build a program, you do it the right way from the bottom up, then it'll sustain itself regardless of who's in charge. So that's what we tried to do, man. But uh, starting over four with no fun, I tell you that, man. And, uh, you know, so uh, <laughs> to go on that first year and win four football games, uh, we made the playoffs. Uh, 
who's got the grand prize of playing Oak Grove in the first round. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's year they won the state championship. But, uh, you know, but uh, definitely was a humbling experience for me. But the whole time, you know, I knew that, you know, God put me here and this is what God wanted me to be. And I knew that that was his plan and it would work out for me. And, uh, you know, it has. I thank Coach, you talk about the turnover before you got there. That's a that's a program with a pretty good history and some tradition. Now it had gone a little while; it had gone to, through a, a a dry spell, if you will. But how has that culture changed? And maybe even starting back to like the junior high program, putting your hands on it. But how have things changed? And and it's easy for people to look at where y'all are now, or even the pinnacle of playing for that game. Uh, last year, but the build up to that, the the culture build and the uh, the underclassmen, what's what yeah. has that been like? Coach? I tell you what, uh, it was tough. You know, starting off, you know, we inherited a group of seniors like I said. I was just four head coaches for years, and uh, you know, I knew that coming in, we were going to have to start at our middle school folks, and that's what we did. Uh, we started first within the first couple of weeks. We went down, met with our fifth graders and uh, eighth graders and uh, just kind of say, you guys are going to be the ones that, you know, we, we get the chance to play with for state championship with. And we sold that to them and, uh, you know, uh, just made sure that the parents understood what our concerns were and what our intentions were. And it wasn't just about football with us, you know. And we wanted to be very much involved in those young men's lives and making sure they're doing the right things at school each and every day, uh, doing the right things at home and, uh you know, as parents begin to call me and say, hey, I'm having trouble with this. Can you help me? And, you know, I think parents begin to trust us that, you know, we were in it for the right reason for the big part of the turnaround. And uh, just for the culture of the school, the culture of our football program, you know, we, we were going to win. We were going to be successful. And we had to feel that each and every day. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest turnarounds for me, uh, and I tell people this all the time, was my wife. You know, and, uh, you know, that first year, things wasn't going very well. Now, I'm being honest, and I wasn't much fun to be around. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know. I was used to winning, and, uh, you know, uh, I get home, and, you know, I guess I was grouchy and grumpy, and one day my wife just kind of, she got my attention and said, you know, you're the problem. And I looked at her like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? I'm the problem. I know how to win, and you know, I've been a successful coach. You know, what do you mean I'm the problem? She said, because every day you come home, you're negative. And uh, I said, what do you mean? Like, you, you never, you never positive. You're always negative about everything. We don't have this. We don't have that. You know, she said, you didn't start being positive. And she just, I froze because she was exactly right. Hmm. And uh, I caught myself, and uh, I looked at it, and sometimes, you know, as men, it's hard to look at your wife and say, baby, you're right. Hmm. You know, but uh, I looked at you know what, you're right. And, uh, you know, it completely changed my outlook on things. And I went there with my coaching staff the very next day. I said, yeah, we're going to stop being so negative. We're going to stop talking about what we don't have because we didn't have as good of players as the teams around us or the teams that were beating us. We didn't have the facilities they had. We didn't have a lot of the things they had. I said, we're going to stop being negative. We're going to be positive. Let me think about what we have, and that's what we're going to do. I don't want nobody else to be negative about anything. So I think that really helped me as a coach and uh, helped our staff. And uh, We started to be positive about things, man, and uh, positive things started happening. So, uh, you know, I said, anybody's listening, man. So uh, things not quite going the way you want to go. You may need to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, am I being positive about it? Because that's what I had to do. And uh, once I started doing that, man, we changed some things, uh, the way we were doing some things uh, internally. We changed, uh, you know, our offensive scheme, uh, and we changed our defensive scheme a little bit, and uh, we started to be able to get some athletes out the gym that hadn't been playing football. And, 
you know, uh, again, it goes back to what I said earlier, the better players you have, the better coaches are going to be. And uh, that's kind of when things changed. And uh, the level of expectation was for you to do the right thing, be what you were supposed to be, what you were supposed to be there. We weren't going uh, we to uh, we change that. We were going to believe in that. And our kids started buying that, and I started to have more success in the classroom. Uh, kids getting to class on time, doing the right thing, less and less uh, discipline referrals, less and less teacher conferences. And, you know, and that was the whole thing I sold to our parents. You know, when we start winning in the classroom, and we start winning at home, We'll start winning on the football field. Uh, you know, just uh, two years ago, we, we were fortunate. Uh, you know, we, we made the Mississippi uh, High School Athletic Association uh, solid athlete team. And that was the first time our football team had ever done that at Hattiesburg High. So, uh, you know, we started winning in the classroom. and We started winning at home. And, uh, you know, of course, it, it led to emphasis on the football field. Coach, um, also the athletic director there at Hattiesburg and – that positivity and that's contagious uh, programs, uh, student athletes, and certainly Hattiesburg High and that community there has, has caught and has a, a great momentum going. Talk, if you will, Coach, and I'm going to give you a chance to brag from that athletic uh, director's hat on now about what y'all have been able to accomplish over the last year and a half, two years there at Hattiesburg. I tell you what, man. Just uh, you know, fortunate in the position I'm in. Uh, inherited this position from Dr. Trucker, man. That was just a great mentor, a great athletic director, and just did such a terrific job of putting our athletic programs on solid foundation. You know, bringing in the right coaches, and uh, I'm just fortunate enough to be able to step in and you know try to keep it going. But uh, you know, going back to our girls' basketball team, man, and uh, you know, just uh, winning the state championship in girls' basketball. Those Young girls. Then we had one senior that uh, you know started, and so we got a good group of girls coming back this year on our basketball team. But uh, you know, started them winning the state championship, and led Oaks out boys track team. You know, and our boys track team was able to win the state championship first ever uh, girls state championship in basketball, first ever boys state championship in track. And uh, you know, our girls track team finished second. You know, uh, so uh, you know a lot of success in track. Uh, you know, like our girls. One uh, in basketball, and of course our football team played for the state championship. Uh, you know, and I go back even a little farther than that. Back in the fall, our softball team, our Florida softball team, made the second round of playoffs uh, for the first time. Our girls volleyball team played for the South State Championship in volleyball, lost to the Central State Championship uh, in the South State Championship. Uh, you know, going back a little farther, you know, even after that. Our girls and boys soccer team won division championships in soccer. Our boys uh, soccer team was one game short of the South State Championship game, and our girls soccer team played for the South State Championship. So uh, a lot of success in our athletic program, even in the fall sports and uh, winter sports. And, uh, of course, our baseball team finished it up winning the state championship in baseball, which was still outstanding. Uh, so, we have a lot of success, man, in our athletic program. We finished uh, second overall in the state. Uh, home. We finished second right behind uh, Germantown this year. And uh, I think last year we finished seventh. So uh, jumped five spots and uh, improved. But, you know, the goal is to be the number one athletic program in the state. And uh, we've got a great group of coaches here at Hattiesburg. And uh, we got some terrific players. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to having another great year in athletics here at Hattiesburg. And I'm just fortunate you know, to be in the position I'm in and uh, just thankful to be here. 
Coach, it's been awesome just to hear your message, that positivity uh, just bleeds through the airwaves uh, for us. We appreciate your time, Coach. I want to ask one more question. Just sure. seeing um, the pictures from, I believe it was last week's game, with the red shirts on, and, yeah. and we're not in that community there, but I wanted our community here uh, the story maybe if you could uh, share what what that um, what that was about last Friday night. Sure, love to. Uh, back in the spring, man, our defensive line coach, uh, Coach Red, Red Jarvis, uh, everybody called him Big Red or Coach Red. Uh, he died suddenly, uh, you know, of a blood clot. Broke his foot two weeks earlier, and uh, you know, end up uh, you know catching a blood clot and you know died from a blood clot. Uh, Young man, 34 years old, uh, left behind a beautiful family, wife, two young boys, uh, Dylan and DJ. And uh, so, uh, yes, it really really shook our city, really shook our community. Uh, You know, and Coach Reed had coached both at Oak Grove uh, and Hattiesburg High. So before he came to Hattiesburg, he was at Oak Grove. So last year, you know, playing, I mean, last week playing Oak Grove, place he had coached that previously, and uh, me and Coach college got together and say, you know, let's do something to honor Coach Red. And uh, so we had our two bodies, our fans, to wear the color red. Uh, our staff wore red shirts. Uh, we had to put some red spots on our football team and honor Coach Red. And uh, his wife and sons were honorary captains of the game. And it was just a rich moment to honor a great man and his family and everything he stood for. But, uh, you know, to know Coach Red was a loving. Uh, he impacted everyone he met in place. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was a, a giant man of stature. He was about six, seven, six, eight, you know, but uh, just had, he was a gentle giant. Man. He just loved people, and uh, he would do anything he could to help anyone. And uh, everybody loved him here in the city of Hattiesburg. You know, he coached over at Sacred Heart for a little while, North Falls, uh, worked at the Juvenile Detention Center, worked at the YMCA. So he just, uh, you know, his, his gift was a, and impact young people in a positive way and he did that. He left such a wonderful legacy behind that, you know, uh, it's one that you look at and, you know, you just say, man, you know, uh, you know, I may live to be 100 years old, but I'll never meet another person like Coach Red that impacted people the way that he did in such a positive way. And it didn't matter the kid, whether they had a rough, a rough lifestyle or whatever, he had a way to reach a man and uh, he had a unique ability, a unique talent he understood his abilities. He understood his gifts, and uh, he understood his purpose on earth. Now he lived each and every day. So uh, last week, both schools got together and honored Coach Red, and uh, it was most of most of moments beginning of the game, no doubt. And uh, you know, seeing family out there, and uh, just uh, you know, they're a big part of us. Uh, you know, big part of you know, our community, city of Hattiesburg. He always be a tiger, and uh, we always remember Coach Red. Well, y'all continue to honor him, Coach, and we uh, certainly appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And we certainly appreciate you sharing time with us tonight, man. And uh, not only the X's and O's and the football talk, but the positive message that you've brought uh, to the podcast. Thank you, Coach Vance. No doubt, guys. I really appreciate you having me on, man, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Continue success to you, man. Thank you. Welcome to our roundtable discussion tonight brought to you by CC Firearms Training, uh, Mississippi Enhanced Concealed Carry Class, conducted by Joe Quave, NRA instructor. Pistol, shotgun, and rifle. Give Joe a call at 
601-347-2590. That's 601-347-2590. And, Clay, as we uh, get into this roundtable discussion, let's go all the way back to Thursday and talk a little bit about uh, Mississippi Juco football just up the road here. 2-0 East Mississippi uh, come calling on the Pearl River Community College Wildcats. Uh, big win for East Mississippi, 59-10 to 10, uh, was the uh, final score. But uh, some promise early in the second half for the Pearl River Community College Wildcat defense. Come out uh, kind of strong early, but, uh, of course, it's hard to match East Mississippi as, as the game goes on. Yeah, Wills kind of fell off there quickly in the second half. But as you said, uh, the Wildcats from Pearl River Community College played them tough in the first half, had a – I guess you could call it a Hail Mary, a long pass before the half that gave up a touchdown for East Mississippi that, in my mind, kind of changed that ball game. Uh, Pearl River uh, was playing really good football, gave up uh, that long pass as basically the clock expired going into the locker room, and then East never looked back, and a huge uh, point spread total there, and then a big win uh, for head coach Buddy Stevens. Yep, and that was Buddy Stevens' 100th career coaching win um, he's 113 at East Mississippi, four national championships. That 113 record is a about a .885 win percentage uh, for uh, Buddy Stevens. And, for, of course, the four national championships back in 2011, 2013, 2014, and then last year, 2017. So, number one in the uh, nation, East Mississippi, big, uh, big win that, uh, that Thursday night. Yeah, congratulations uh, to Coach Stevens. Anytime you're bumping near a 90% winning percentage in that league, you uh, have put something tremendous together, and that's what the East Mississippi Lions certainly have going on. And Scuba Tech. Yep, Scuba Tech up there in the middle of nowhere, just north of Meridian. Uh, he's got it. He's got uh, the town of Scuba rocking. Uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast had a big night against Coahoma, 2-0. Uh, Gulf Coast won 46 to 21. Um, Austin Bolton, Popperville uh, standout, uh, had seven carries for 59 yards and one touchdown. And also the picking standout, Sean Anderson, carried the ball twice uh, for six yards. Both of them had some uh, some kickoff return yardage too on the night. But a big win for Gulf Coast. Yep, I'm glad to see uh, AB and Sean both getting action over there at Perk and uh, new head coach over at Gulf Coast and he has it seems uh, things headed in the right direction as well as uh, them and East both off to those strong 2-0 and starts. Yep uh, big like I said big win for uh, Gulf Coast and then also you had Holmes uh, pulling off an upset some would say winning at Jones 25-23. to uh, Jones uh, was ranked number eighth in the in the nation going into that game and a big win for Holmes uh, knocking off the Bobcats. Yep, and I believe there was some late uh, late game scoring there uh, for Holmes as to pull off as as you've said. I, I think that's correct. An upset as Jones falls to one and one on the season, and um, it's interesting to see before they get into South Division play and North Division play. Kind of these first two games are kind of filling out stages in that league and. Um, as Jones falls to one and one, a tough loss to Holmes. Yep, and then some upcoming, uh, the upcoming schedule for this Thursday. East Mississippi uh, will travel to Itawamba for a six thirty kickoff. Uh, Pearl River Community College heads to Colin. Always a tough uh, South Division game right there. That's a seven o'clock kickoff, 
And you can catch that game on WRJWradio.com and the WRJW app. And also, Gulf Coast will have Holmes Community College. Coahoma travels to Northeast uh, Community College. And then Jones uh, travels to Hines. So, some big games uh, for some South Division teams coming up this Thursday. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun to follow along with that league. And, and as our listeners may can tell, I'm a little hoarse, a little under the weather. So I appreciate Jeff kind of toting the load through the roundtable through this episode uh, between me calling a ball game on Friday night for the Popperville Hornets, which we're about to get into hollering at the Braves bullpen action through <laughs> what they've put me through the last couple weeks and coaching my little girls upward soccer team. Uh, all that and a little head cold have got me sounding just like <laughs> I sound tonight. So I appreciate you, Jeff, most of the time and even more tonight. Yep. Well, it's it's uh we're gonna we're gonna get through this as we are in the middle of the roundtable discussion brought to you by CC Firearms and Training. Um, also, now to get into some high school action from this past Friday night, uh, Popperville three and one on the year, come up with a big win against a upper class, a 5A class stone team, 43-14. to 14. Uh, You know, no Austin Bolton for this Popville team. They, they've moved away from that. Austin is having a career over there at Mississippi Gulf Coast. Um, but a big game for Ethan Taylor uh, on the night for the Popville Hornets. Yeah, and, and you hate to keep alluding to a kid, uh, but it's hard not to with the memories and the impression that Austin made on that program there in Popperville. But that's an AB-type night for E.T. Excuse the initials, but uh, that's his nickname. Ethan Taylor there, um, E.T., as we've uh, kind of – referred to him as our broadcast there on Friday nights as we follow the Popperville Hornets. 11 carries, Jeff, 267, three touchdowns, and that's a 24-yard per carry average. That is unbelievable. Against, as you said, a stone defense, a 5A club coached by head coach John Feaster. We had him on. He was nice enough to come on for one of our season previews on the podcast. He's a defensive guy. He prides himself on being hard-nosed. Now, that's kind of a banged-up Tomcats club from Stone. They'll get better as they get healthier, but that's an impressive effort from them Popperville Hornets and especially that backfield, Ethan Taylor. Yep, Ethan Taylor was special. Uh, that night, once again, Popville with the big win, 43-14. to 14. They will host Heidelberg. The Oilers uh, come in to the Hornets' nest this Friday night, 6.30 pregame airtime. Uh, the Stone Tomcats will travel to uh, – they start division play, and they, they travel to West Harrison, another first-time head coach uh, or first-year head coach in, at West Harrison. So the Tomcats will get their uh, district play started this Friday night. Also, Gulfport. Uh, just come atop of Picayune, 37-35, a big game right over here at uh, Picayune Memorial High School Stadium. Uh, big night for Jaquel Myers. He went, he threw the ball for 48 yards with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. And then, of course, Jordan Rain. They do what they do best, running the football, twelve carry, or 23 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. And then uh, Jarese Travis, 12 carries, 89 yards for two touchdowns. So, uh, Coach Dodd Lee does what he does best with the Maroon Tide, uh, running the football, but fall just a little short. Yep, uh, offense, as you've described there with the numbers, not the problem 
uh, just defensively, uh, from all accounts, couldn't get the Admirals from Gulfport stopped when they needed to. Gulfport puts up 37, which was two better than Picayune. Gulfport 3-1 and one on the year, going to make some noise as they did last year down on the Gulf Coast. That 3-1 and one record, the only loss comes to Rummel, an out-of-state uh, team. And so Gulfport off to a, a really good start, that 3-1 and one start. We'll see what they do as they get in a two-division play. And Gulfport's quarterback put on a, an impressive performance against a tough uh, Picayune Maroon Tide club. So we'll see how that carries over next week against St. Martin. Yep, and both teams are off this week. Gulfport and Picayune are off. Uh, next Friday night, uh, Gulfport has uh, – they go to St. Martin. And then, of course, Picayune host Wayne County. Uh, they start their division play, and they bring in a tough Wayne County team in uh, right off the bat to start division play. So – it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks uh, for high school football. Uh, Carrier, the Blue Devils of PRC were off this past Friday, but this coming up Friday they will host St. Stanislaus. Coach Jacob Owen uh, was able to get his first win as a head coach against Forest County, uh, the Aggies, but then he looks to go uh, make it two in a row as they host St. Stanislaus. So that should be a big game. Uh, Stanislaus, a 4A ball club coming up to face the, uh, the Blue Devils of PRC. Yep, Stanislaus coming off a loss uh, to St. Martin, too. So that will be a very interesting game to see how the Blue Devils uh, handle a win, how they handle that success. They had a week to kind of think on it and and get over that before they take on the Rocket Charles. Rocket Charles kind of off to a rough start. You remember Joe Jacks in our uh, previews, they said they had a lot of holes to fill and were going to be inexperienced in some key spots, and that certainly has played out. So that will be a very interesting score to keep up with on Friday night. Yep, it will be. And like I said, we'll be just kind of look to see if uh, the Blue Devils can, can go for two in a row uh, to, to keep that winning streak going. Uh, the Hancock Holtz, they were off this past Friday night as well, and they will host Lakeshore, Mandeville, uh, is coming to uh, Hancock this Friday night. Lakeshore, uh, for people around that are listening, uh, you know, Lakeshore's got a very good ball club. They coming in from, from Slidell. It's going to be an out-of-state team. So, uh, be interested to see what Coach Neal and the Halts have in store for Lakeshore. Yep, Lakeshore competed for a state championship uh, last year, and they bring uh, a good club, as you said, over to the kill. That's a tough one scheduling-wise if you're Hancock. You throw them in the mix, and as I just said, they competed for a Louisiana State Championship last year. Just had one loss on the season, did Lakeshore. So a quality, quality team will roll in to Hancock. And just to go back to that carrier Stanislaus game, a game before, you can hear that action of Pearl River Central Blue Devils on WRJW. Eli Scooter and Jeremy will have the call of that ball game, and that's a fun crew to follow and listen to. A game we're going to give the score to. Uh, I'm not going to go in any real depth into it right now as we're going to have uh, uh, Hattiesburg Tigers head coach for an interview uh, later in this podcast. But Hattiesburg 4-0, 51-19, big win over Oak Grove. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to get into that further uh, with Hattiesburg High head coach. Yep, can't wait to dive in a little bit deeper with head coach Tony Vance and discuss his club and his program. As we look in uh, past Friday night, we get into some Saturday NCAA action. Uh, of course, number 16 Mississippi State took the, uh, took the football game on the road, like we mentioned last week, an early start at Kansas State. 
and it did not seem to affect the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Big win, 31-10, to led by Fitzgerald with 157 yards passing. He was 11 of 27 with two touchdowns, and then Hill rushed uh, 17 carries, 211 yards for two touchdowns. So it did not seem to phase the Bulldogs uh, starting early on the road up at Kansas State. No, sure didn't. And when you you say Bulldogs, that's exactly what they did. They bullied Kansas, Kansas State right there in Manhattan in their own building. And that doesn't happen a lot in that building. But the offensive line opened up space. Hill ran through that space. And He's going to be a phenomenal back. Him and Cam Akers uh, came on the scene and came out the same year, and both guys got a lot of pub. Well, Hill's kind of showed himself a little bit better uh, so far than Cam, and I don't know if I saw uh, that coming, but uh, certainly has a lot better line to run behind there at Mississippi State than Cam Akers has to run behind at Florida State. And so that Mississippi State Bulldog Club, a lot of people had them predicted to go 10-2 and on the season. They certainly looked apart through two ball games. Yep, and the Mississippi State Bulldogs will host uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns this Saturday, 6-30 on the SEC Network. Uh, so that ought to be a that'll be a good game up there at Start Vegas, as uh, we have had the opportunity to call a high school national championship from that stadium. Great atmosphere. So uh, uh, the Raging Cajuns coming in to Startville for 6:30 on the SEC Network. Also, a game that we're not going to go a lot into. Uh, LSU big win over Southeastern Louisiana, 31 to nothing. Uh, they travel to Auburn this week. Uh, number seven Auburn. LSU comes in number 12. Uh, that sh- that game will be at 2.30 on CBS. Uh, we're going to have an interview later uh, from Brody Miller to talk about the LSU-Auburn matchup. So that ought to be a good game to watch. Uh, maybe one of the games of, on the weekend all around. Yep, Brody Miller, beat reporter for LSU with NOLA.com, the Times-Picayune, will be able to shed more light on that matchup. And then also uh, USM, kind of a heartbreaker up there at the Rock, Louisiana-Monroe. Uh, came in and uh, pulled out a win, 21 to 20. Uh, Jack Abraham for USM, 31 of 46 for 378 yards, two touchdowns. But one of the big problems I watched it sitting here at home. I know you were up there with season tickets, but he was sacked five times in the game, uh, and amongst the pressure and the sacks, he threw two interceptions. So uh, offensive uh, line kind of. Had Jack Abram running uh, for his life a little bit uh, during that ball game. But, man, a, a big loss right there for USM, 21-20 against Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, you say big, just despicable, man. That, that's terrible. That's a bad loss. And, look, I'm a Southern Miss graduate um, there in the end zone with our season tickets, and that one was a hard one to watch. You described it, Abraham running for his life. And a lot of times when he's doing that, he's a young quarterback, didn't put the ball away, had two fumbles to go along with those two picks. So the the total numbers in passing uh, actually sound okay until you realize that he had to throw it nearly every time because we can't move a soul to free any space. Um, we've got a couple bigger backs standing over on the sideline. Uh, that we chose not to use when you can't move anybody. I'm I'm not sure about uh, some of that stuff, but I am sure that that's a bad loss at home early in the year. And um, 
just not a good look. Southern Miss goes to one and one, beat a Jackson State team that you had to beat. Really, you had to beat Louisiana Monroe, but uh, couldn't finish the deal there at home. And that road doesn't get any easier. You go on the road uh, next week, and you're already, uh, as I saw some lines earlier today, you're a two-touchdown underdog uh, going into that Appalachian State game. Yep, and as he just mentioned, uh, USM travels to Appalachian State, uh, 2.30 airtime ESPN+. Plus. Appalachian State, we know uh, a few years ago, upset Michigan the first game of the year as well. So uh, that ball club always fights in and out uh, every game. You know, so that's not just a – you mark it on your schedule as, ooh, it may be early in the year that maybe something Southern can go up there and pull off. But uh, Appalachian State seems to bring it every time and, and whoever they match up against. Um, Ole Miss coming out on top big. And I say big because at halftime Ole Miss was down uh, against the Southern Illinois. Uh, and Ole Miss, the second half just – Puts it on, you know, puts it to them, keeps their foot on the gas pedal, comes back and wins the game, seventy-six to forty-one. They improved to two and zero, led by Jordan uh, Tam- Tamu, twenty-three of thirty-three through the air for four hundred and forty-eight yards and five touchdowns. And then Scotty Phillips had fifteen carries, one hundred and seven yards and two touchdowns. So Ole Miss, an impressive win. Uh, Looks impressive and gets impressive under their belt as they have a tough test this week hosting Alabama. You know, Phillips, the tailback of the transfer from JCJC, has, has really been a shot in that arm for them being able to run the football. But their defense, I saw something today, they were like 110 in total defense, and that's against a Southern Illinois team. That's bad. Like we talked to Davis Potter last week or a couple of weeks ago with a preview of the Texas uh, Tech game, their opener, and he described, look, if their defense can just get better, just be in the middle somewhere, just can't be a bottom feeder, and that's what they looked like last week, gave up a ton of yards to Southern Illinois. And as good as that offense is, it's not going to matter because Alabama will just either keep you on the field forever or, or put you behind so much that they can really get after your quarterback and it'll make it tough. So that I will be very interested uh, to see how Ole Miss's defense competes against the Crimson Tide from Alabama. Yep, and as once again, they host Alabama. Six o'clock uh, airtime on ESPN. And then uh, to finish up the roundtable discussion, uh, this week, you know, we have to hit, hit upon the Saints. Just a uh, – you're talking about defense. And then the Saints fall to Tampa Bay yesterday, 48-40. to That was an NFC divisional game. You don't really see them early in the season, but the Saints had a, a division – NFC South division game. 48-40 uh, fall at home. Drew Brees, 37-45, of course, MVP-type numbers. 439 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Last year's uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Alvin Kamara, eight carries, 29 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and one one uh, receiving touchdown. Of course, Michael Thomas, big wide receiver out of Ohio State, entering his second year, 16 catches, 180 yards, and one touchdown. It's just all the offensive numbers were there, but when the defense gives up 417 yards worth of passing and then 112 worth of rushing – a lot of times you're not going to come out on that ball game, and then you see it right there. Fitzpatrick, uh, they said Fitzmagic was back. He started yesterday for Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay wins 48-40. Yeah, you said MVP. That's what kind of numbers they let 
the opposing quarterback put up and it's just ridiculous man I, if you would have told me Tampa Bay was going to score 48 yesterday I would have never believe that defense came so far last year just leaps and bounds I really had the Saints as a Super Bowl contender going into the year a ton of questions after yesterday's performance defensive secondary looked pitiful against the pass when you get down like that you can't use Kamar all that much other than passes out of the backfield because you can't run the football you're trying to play catch up and then uh, a turnover by Thomas as well as he played he had a costly uh turnover in that ball game but you can't blame any of it on the offense defense was just bad and some of the guys that were great last year uh, Lattimore the guy who didn't give up a touchdown as a rookie corner played phenomenal football all last year had a rough game yesterday you don't that just didn't that was not said at all all season last year so the Saints gonna have to regroup man and get it right as they will play again Sunday, but um, between the Southern Miss loss <laughs> and then the Saints loss, there's a lot of fans in this area, a lot of our listeners that are uh, had two heapings of misery, but there's a lot of fans too that still pull for those baby Braves, and they're four and a half games up in the East there you go. as they start a series out West uh, as they continue the end of their West Coast trip as they – get going against against the San Francisco Giants tonight. And so uh, if you pull for all those clubs and then you have the Braves bullpen keeping you on pins and needles, this is kind of what you'll sound like after a week like was last week. Well, and then one quick note going back to the Saints game too. They host Cleveland this week. Cleveland 21-21 tie in overtime against Pittsburgh. Kind of a, a moral victory, if you say, for Cleveland. If you look at their dismal years they have had in the past. So, Cleveland's going to come to town kind of on a little high uh, coming out with the tie against the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So that will do it uh, for this week's uh, roundtable discussion on Season 2, Episode 4 of the podcast. We're fortunate enough tonight to be joined by Brody Miller. Brody is the beat reporter for LSU with NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. Brody, thank you for joining the podcast. Oh, and thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Brody, uh, LSU off to a 2-0 start, goes over to the Plains. Auburn, a 2-0 start. What do you feel about LSU coming into this game? It's, it's a unique situation kind of to me when you look at kind of low expectations for LSU. Then they win over Miami and expectations have gone through the roof. They beat Southeastern last week. If you were on social media, you would have thought they lost a ball game. So, where is LSU coming into this week's ball game? <laughs> it's a pretty pretty dead on breakdown the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, things are definitely uh, a little worrisome right now for LSU. I mean, the defense is as good as advertised, not better. I mean, this defense is for real. So, I mean, let's start with the positives. I think this defense can certainly hold its own against Auburn if not get the best of them. I think what is more worrisome, and don't get me wrong, yeah, they beat Southeastern Louisiana by 31 like they were supposed to. I mean, like, they were fine. But what was worrisome was that the things that went poorly are the exact things that Auburn is best suited to take advantage of. The offensive line just had a, a truly bad game against Southeastern Louisiana, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. Uh, I mean, 
you have guys getting beat one-on-one against an SBS school and you're an SEC offensive line consistently. That's just that's a problem. So, you know, right now you have all these issues going on with this pass protection where, you know, the offensive line struggling and then you're – and then the receivers aren't exactly getting open. So now the quarterback, Joe Burrow, you know, he's having a tough time finding open receivers or he doesn't have enough time in the pocket. And then there are other times where he might have held on to it too long. You just, there's so many things going on with this offense right now that you don't have a ton of confidence in it. And then now you're about to face a defense in Auburn that has one of the best defensive lines in the whole country. So not, not exactly a, an optimistic week for the LSU offense. Once again, we're joined by Brody Miller beat reporter for LSU with NOLA.com and Times Picayune. And this interview is brought to you by Vantage Insurance Company. And, and Brody, there's a lot of stuff, like, like Clay had mentioned, you see it on social media, ups and downs, in and outs every week, uh, surrounding the, you know, Coach O and, and the offense and, and the other coaches uh, there at LSU. Uh, what are some things that I guess Coach O and the coaching staff for LSU has to do and have and things they have to set in place uh, for this game going to Auburn. Well, I think one thing is just it's a tough. I'm not sure I know the answer to it, but you need to just figure something out with this offensive line. They've um, Ed O'Jean already said today at his press conference that uh, they're moving Austin Deculus back to right tackle. He's somebody who competed for the job, got moved to guard, and then when Sadiq Charles was suspended for this past week, he actually stepped in at left tackle and played pretty well. So now you have him competing with Fedara Traore at right tackle. That's one sign. They moved uh, defensive lineman, 6'8 freshman, uh, Dare Rosenthal, over to offensive line. So they're making moves to try to get some bodies over there to maybe improve. And the other thing, and Steve Ensminger actually talked about it on the radio show yesterday, the offense coordinator. You know, he said, hey, we, we need to uh, get the ball out quicker. We need to you know, go empty protection more and just get the ball out quick and let these guys make plays because and take some of this pressure off the offensive line. Because another big topic of debate this weekend, which you know, I didn't mention before, was the offensive line was struggling so much that they had to start keeping fullbacks and tight ends and running backs. They had to keep them back and pass plays to help block. All of a sudden, every plays where, hey, you might finally give the quarterback time, but there are only two guys going out for a pass so it's not very hard for the defense to cover that. You know what I mean? So now, now you have Burrow finally has time, but he is getting – there's nobody to throw to. So I think they're realizing, hey, something we might have to kind of – for lack of a better term here, this is not the right way to put it, but kind of cut their loss on the offensive line and just do more quick passes and try to open things up. I think that's one thing they might have to do. Because at the end of the day, just run, they're running the ball well right now, but I'm not so sure that's exactly sustainable against the SEC. And when you look at what Auburn was able to do in that first week against Washington, Brody, when we kind of turn and look at that opponent in Auburn, you've described that they've always – I mean, they've always kind of hung their hat on what their defensive line's going to do. Offensively, Stedman and this offense, what do you look for them to be able to do against a really good LSU defense? You know, uh, that's actually something – I've tried putting a lot of thought into this week, and I'm not sure I know the answer because – there isn't a clear weakness that jumps out to me with this LSU defense. And, you know, as you've heard me for the last five minutes, I'm not afraid to be critical of this LSU team. This isn't, but I just really, that LSU defense gets a lot of confidence from me. And I am a firm believer in Dave Aranda being maybe the best defense coordinator in football. And one thing that's been talked about so much is just 
how, you know, his first two years here, he went very base defense, very base, because he just really believes in not getting, putting the cart before the horse. And this year, he finally feels like he has a team that's experienced enough that he can put in more. And from what we heard, he had between 40 and 50 new defensive packages and compared to four or five last year. So he and, and Devin White, the linebacker, said, we, they had me, they've kept most of that in the bag. We haven't even seen most of what they have planned. Well, the, way, the way Devin White and some other players talk about it, they have a plan for basically every team they're going to face. They have a plan to, to hit any kind of any situation, any kind of offense. So that is a long way of me saying I'm not sure what weakness you'd attack. I think one positive for Auburn might be, you know, the, the fact that star pass rusher Caleb on Chason's out for the year and LSU's still trying to figure out who could be that replacement at, at star pass rusher, and there probably isn't one, to be honest. That can be just as good as him. So maybe your best bet if you're Auburn is just try to take your chances sitting in the pocket and going downfield on it. I mean, they have good defensive backs, but I don't think that's easy. But that might be your best overall bet. Brody, just following you on Twitter and seeing some of the stuff you've put out this week, LSU's going to get some help this week, some guys coming back off of suspension? Yes. Um, Sadiq Charles, the starting left tackle, he'll be back, which is huge for what we were just talking about. Um, having him back is big. Torrey Carter, the starting fullback, that's another big one. Michael Divinity, the starting outside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, he's not a Caleb on chase on type pass rusher exactly, but he's a he's a crucial starter. So having him back is is pretty big. And then a few other rotation guys like Ed Alexander and and Jonte Kirkland, a cornerback. So no, that's definitely big. And yeah, I mean LSU knew what it was doing. Uh, I believe with the rules, they could they could suspend guys for certain games for the first month. They they chose it for Southeastern first for stuff. Yeah, and that's that's kind of normal protocol and uh, situations like that. You've got uh, two two and O teams, LSU and Auburn. Maybe uh, much more expected to be there, Auburn at the two and O point in the year. I'm not sure how many people had picked LSU to beat Miami and to beat them as convincingly as they did. Do you think that was good, Brody, for Burroughs to have that type of um, and, and not that he just really played all that well in the first week, but to have the expectation level go so high up uh, for this kid that really hasn't even been in Baton Rouge all that long. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's a guy who's not afraid to kind of critique himself and be hard on himself, and he's a guy who's been waiting for this so long that he's been, yeah, he's gonna he's been thinking about this for a long time. So I mean, I think there's probably some benefits to him having these issues now and you know you know, you have the Miami game, which he got good reviews but also wasn't exactly amazing like you said, and then to have a game like last week where it wasn't particularly good either. It's better to have these issues now, but I guess that's only the case if it pays off later, you know, if you're actually developing from the, the bad. If if it's just bad and it's just a sign of what's to come then you know, I mean, that's the hard part about all this. And, and you know, I hand out grades every Sunday in a, in a post, and it's always hard to grade him because we haven't been able to see what he actually looks like in a normal offense because these offensive pass protection issues are so real and the receiver's issues seem to be somewhat real. And, you know, it's just hard to tell what's what, what's the actual problem. It's really hard to dissect that. So, uh-huh. um a friend of mine here, Brody, has given me – he studies this stuff to no end, and he talks about the intelligence level of Burroughs, being a coach's son, kind of a gym rat, 
how much if you're going to have to move some pieces and try some things offensively because your line's limited, how much of his intelligence when he looks over a defense and can make an audible, even if it's from one run to another run, how much will that benefit LSU going down the, down the road here? Oh, that is probably his greatest strength. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I know that is one thing he has proven, you know, through high school, college, and even in these first two weeks to be a real skill of his. You know, he's the son of a very well-respected college defensive coordinator. He knows how to pick these teams apart. And he showed against Miami that, you know, he can make some really clutch audibles at the line of scrimmage. And he can, you know, he can see what the defense is doing and change what he needs to do. For example, you know, in some of these games, he's had to make quicker decisions because he sees that pressure, so he gets the ball out quicker, and he adjusts. And the Miami game, he said, hey, I got more conservative because I knew, I knew we had the lead and our defense was in control, you know, things like that. So, uh, yeah, no, his intelligence is crucial, I think, because he he's pretty good at figuring out what a defense is doing and how to beat it. Brody, before our listeners get ready to watch this 2.30 CBS game on Saturday, how can they follow you and uh, dig into the stuff that you've been putting out about this LSU club? Absolutely. You can follow me at, uh, at Brody A. Miller on Twitter or uh, go to NOLA.com anytime to check uh, anything, me and uh, my teammate Andrew Lopez and what we're putting out there. Thank you, Brody, for your time tonight. We appreciate you joining the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a great time. Have a good night, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, sponsored by Mugshots Grill and Bar, Katie Cake and Company, Advantage Insurance Company, Bank Plus, and CC Firearms Training. Stay tuned for more episodes in the weeks to come.